Well, I do want to welcome you to Bible Studies with Russ. Uh, we are picking up today Matthew chapter 28. This Bible study will probably be a lot shorter, obviously, because uh, we're only looking about four uh, five verses here. Uh, but we are going to finish Matthew chapter uh, 28, and then uh, in the next Bible study, we're going to begin studying from the Old Testament books of history, beginning there uh, with Joshua. And so we hope you'll tune in uh, for that. As I mentioned last time in a live broadcast, that we'd be going back and forth uh, between the Old and New Testament. And so we're going to go back to the Old Testament uh, next time, beginning with the book of Joshua. And so I hope you will join me uh, with that. I do realize that some have been unable to make to the live broadcast, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, however, I'll probably be pre-recording a lot more uh, for some of the same reasons, uh, trying to have that set time. We had different things going on. Uh, but that will that video will continue to post. The video or re- audio recording will continue to post to the Facebook page, to that group, uh, whether I do it live or not. And then also will continue to be uh, posted to the uh, Podbean or to the uh, Bible Studies uh, with Russ podcast page there on Podbean and everywhere else where our Byway Media podcasts can be found. Uh, now last time we, we concluded by looking at uh, the report of the guards there in Matthew chapter 28 verses 11 uh, through verse 15 uh, where the guards were told to seal to, to uh, not to, to seal the tomb but they were told uh, they were going to be paid to say that they fell asleep and that the disciples came and stole away the body of Christ and that if if it came to the governor's ears, they would uh, secure them. Uh, of course, uh, Christ's body, as we well know, was not stolen. Uh, his body was not uh, taken away by the disciples, nor anyone else. The Bible tells us very plainly that the angel descended from heaven, rolled back the stone, Christ uh, being uh risen and that the apostle or not the apostle brother but the guards there stood there as dead men in fear and that uh the ladies there mary uh the two ladies who were there uh met uh, the angel and the angel spoke with them and those types of things and that's those are things we discussed last time now we're picking up in matthew 28 verse 16 which i have the heading here jesus gives the great commission to the 11 apostles Beginning in verse 16, then the eleven disciples, or apostles, as they would be after Acts chapter 2, went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. One of the things we want to notice here, Judas isn't there, right? Uh, he had betrayed Christ. He had also gone and hung himself after he went back to, to the chief priest and told them he basically regretted uh, doing what he had done and tried to give the money back to them. Uh, they basically told them that that's on you, so he threw the money down left and went out and hung himself. Uh, verse 16 we find here as a result there's only 11 disciples uh, they went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them so a place which he had appointed for them we also know that he told uh, the ladies who came to the tomb that they were to meet him in Galilee verse 17 says when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted verse 17 now those who doubted we commonly reference that back to doubting Thomas uh, he said he would not believe unless he uh, touched, you know, put his hands into the sides of Christ, those types of things there. Um, in fact, if we go back and look at Luke chapter 24, um, beginning in verse 36, he says, this from Luke's account, Luke 24, verse 36 says, Now as he said these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you 
Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I and myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe, for joy and marvel, for when they still did not believe, uh, for joy and marveled, he said to them, "Have you any food here?" So they gave him a piece of broiled uh, fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Um, and so, really, we find there that he shows them, and, and it's kind of like an astonishment. Um, they, they, there's just things that it's hard to imagine for us today, especially you know we're looking back, uh, seeing what had happened to Christ, and and to imagine him being there in your presence and never ever seeing anything like that. We haven't seen one risen from the dead either, um, but they were were reading about it. But they were seeing that they were speaking to Jesus, who had been dead who had been beaten, who had, had hung on the cross, died in the tomb, and now he's sitting there, and he's showing them his the holes in his hands, uh, the side where he was pierced, and now he's eating broiled fish and a honeycomb. Which, by the way, the honeycomb sounds pretty uh, amazing. Um, but anyway, that's off topic. But they are uh, they are not believing. They're, they're, or they're, some are not believing. Some of them are astonished there. Um if you continue reading there in Luke's account, Luke 24, picking up verse 44, Then he said to them, These are the words that which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so Christ literally says there in Luke 24, verse 44, that all these things have happened and have taken place to fulfill the old law, to fulfill the prophecies uh, concerning me, he says there in verse 44. Verse 45 says, And he opened their understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus is written, and thus is necessary, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be, should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. We know that was happening in Acts chapter 2, uh, which you can go there and find that that's where the apostles were. If you, re- if you were to read Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, and if we went from reading Luke into Acts chapter 1, it is... I won't say direct continuation, but it's pretty close. You go from Luke right into the book of Acts. You know, John is, as I said before, 90% of it is different. Um, but if you go from Luke into Acts, you find that still Luke is, it's Luke is writing the book of Acts. And he begins to talk about uh, more of those things. And you find Christ ascending to heaven in Acts chapter 1. You find the apostles appointing uh, the one who, who would uh, take the place of Judas. The things are moving forward now, right? And then Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes and they are given, uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon them. And what happens? They begin to preach and teach from where? From Jerusalem. That's where they were in Acts 2. They were to stay there, as we found here, until they were endued with power from upon high, reference to the Holy Spirit. And now... And so if you were to read from Luke into Acts, you just have that near continuation is what I call it uh, there because things just continue on. It's still Luke who's writing. And uh, things begin to move forward from, you know, you have the preaching. You have the uh, preaching of Peter in Acts 2. Then you have the, the, the reaction. You have the baptism. Then you have what the church is, is established, right? People are being added to the body of Christ right in Acts chapter 2 moving forward shortly after the ascension of Christ. Uh, going back to Luke 24, beginning of verse 48, he says, And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, which I was just mentioning there in verse 49. Verse 50 said, says here, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now remember, this is Luke's account, right? Luke is 
usually we looked at as Paul as being someone who's much more detailed uh, when he talks about things. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of course, they all record different things from different viewpoints. Um, but Luke is commonly referred to as one who is, or thought as one who's much more detailed, especially in comparison to Matthew and Mark. Um, so, and we may, and I know we started out looking at this class as synoptics, going look through and looking at the differences in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And it's possible that, that before we go into the book of Joshua, I know we uh, mentioned we we're going to talk about that next. Um, it's hard for me to, to read through Matthew and then try to go back and look at Matthew, uh, Mark and Luke at the same time. Um, but you can find a lot of the differences there. In fact, you have what's called the Harmony of the Gospels by A.T. Robertson. It's literally a book, and it has scriptures. You have three columns. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and he shows you what is included in each gospel account so you can see that and what, which one is, is, does not record that. I have a copy somewhere, but as you can see in my bookcase behind me, it's somewhere back there. Um, but that will help you. Uh, we really kind of, we started out looking at the synoptics that way, and then we kind of just, or I, I should say, I kind of merged just into focusing on Matthew. Um, but if you, and I say, I, I'm tempted to go back and say, well, let's go ahead and look at those differences and make that a whole different class, but um, we may do that at a later date. Uh, but anyway, so we go back and look at Luke chapter, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 24, yes. Uh, says in verse 50, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifted up his hands and blessed them, meaning he prayed for them, is what that's talking about there. Uh, people today kind of have, when you read about someone blessing them, um, especially today, um, it generally means we pray over, we pray for them, or we pray over them. People kind of use that phrase, we'll have someone pray over you. I don't like that phrase. Uh, it kind of sounds like you're doing something that's miraculous. You're really not. You're praying for them. It's something that's promised to the Christian. Uh, it is miraculous in the sense we get to pray to God through Christ. But praying over someone is like kind of sounds like it's you who's doing the the, the awesome thing. No, it's not. It's God. But uh, that's you know I not hear people say that. And I, I understand what people mean, but sometimes I think there are those who really think it's more than. Uh, they they put too much. They had the wrong this way. They had the wrong idea about what it means to pray over someone or to pray for someone. Praying for someone literally is praying over someone. Um, but that's just different terminology there, and kind of can give a different idea when you see when you use that phrase. But if you look here at verse um, fifty, he he blessed them. He prayed for them, uh, and now it came to pass when he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. That's verse fifty one. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continuing in the temple, praising God and blessing, praising and blessing God. Amen. So that's the end of Luke's account there, uh, with his, uh, you know, being appearing to them. Uh, we find the disciples' eyes were open, and to my knowledge, and I don't pretend to have the all the entire scriptures memorized, uh, but to my to my knowledge, this is the only time you read about how how. Uh, things were open to people in a miraculous sense. I'll take that back. There are a few other occasions uh, when, like when Mary and, and the ladies, when they when they saw Christ, their eyes were open like, in a sense that they realized who it was, right? Um, people today, though, have to realize that we are not zapped with knowledge. Uh, you know, this occasion is that they're out, their minds were open and they, they understood the scriptures, right? But the Holy Spirit was still going to guide them into all truth, right? Um Anyway, so we have to be careful with that as well. But here in Luke 24, 36 through 49, you have kind of where, where we are here uh, in the same situation here in Matthew. But again, Luke records something, uh, records a little bit more. 
Um, so let's jump back to Matthew because that's where we're at. Uh, verse 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we want to notice here at verse 18, uh, Christ is the one who's speaking. He says, All power has been given to me excuse me, in heaven and in earth, which means he has all authority. All authority uh, has been given to me. The King James, I believe, says all power has been given me on heaven and earth. And then he begins to tell them what they must do, right? So he starts this section here by saying that I have the authority. All authority has been given to him. He says in heaven and on earth, right? Why is that? Because God is with him. Because he, he has fulfilled God's will. He continues to do so still today. And he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So all authority has been given to Christ. And then what does he say in the next verse? Go, right? There's there's the command. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Disciples are learners. That's what we've talked about before. He says here, of all nations, which means you go everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We find here that they're baptizing them by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, if you were to drop back here for just a second, remember, we, we go back and forth, and I've done better at this to, at sometimes than others, but if you go back here and look at Mark 16, beginning in verse 14, here the Bible says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they didn't believe those who had seen him after he had risen. There's Mark's account, right? So Mark's account includes a rebuking. Ugh, <laughs> tough. Because uh, when Christ rebukes someone, I mean, no one wants to be rebuked. When Christ rebukes someone, I can't imagine how how that would have felt. Very harsh, right? Even, you know, we don't have the tone of it, but he wants to be rebuked by anyone, let alone by Christ. Um, verse 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Just like what, what uh, Matthew's account here is talking about, right? Go into all the nations. Here, go into all the world. Same thing. And preach the gospel to every creature, to everybody, right? The same idea we find here in Matthew. He who believes and is baptized. This is where Mark's account is different from Matthew's. Is it wrong? Nope. It's not. He includes uh, a different viewpoint, right? But does that mean Christ didn't say this? No. It means that Mark, their focus is different. Does Matthew's account include the necessity for baptism? Yeah. Does Mark's account include the necessity for baptism? Yeah, look at verse 16, or verse, uh, yeah, verse 16. He who believes, believes what? Well, what they have been teaching, right? Go into the world and preach the gospel. He believes what has been preached. So there you have the hearing, right? Verse 15, and he who believes, so you hear, then you what? You have to believe. Hearing isn't enough. That's what Mark says here. Uh, Christ here speaking, rather, uh, and, and Mark records the words of Christ who says, preach the gospel, so you have to hear what's being preached, right? He who believes, so you have to believe. Then he says, and is baptized. There's, there's, there's another step, right? He says, we'll be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, to me, one of the things I do not understand, and this is not meant to be disrespectful, but I don't understand how we can read Mark 16, 16, and then come away with word, phrases such as, well, he doesn't say if you're not baptized, you won't be saved. Actually, he does. 
Because, actually, let me, let me be clear. He doesn't have to because someone who doesn't believe is not going to be baptized. He says believe and is baptized. If we make that optional or make that where it's not something that is a requirement, we are actually going against the words of Christ. He wouldn't say if he didn't mean it, would he? I mean, I, if I tell my daughter, hey, go out and uh, go and take all the trash out of the kitchen and go and throw it out in the trash can outside. If she just took the trash out of the, out of the kitchen and left it in the garage, did she do what I told her to do? No. We'll look at verse verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If we only believe and we're not baptized, are we saved? Christ says no. But he does not believe because you don't need to even bring up really the idea of baptism here because you can't even get past the step of belief. But he does not believe will be condemned. It is implied, <laughs> to me at least very clearly, that the person who does not who does not believe will not be baptized. Well, a person who does believe but refuses to be baptized, are they going to have? Are they going to be saved? Well, no. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He has to remember they were they were living in a miraculous age. Uh, Signs would accompany those who, who taught and preached to confirm that their words were from God. Do we have this ability still today? No. How can we confirm our words are from God? We pick up a Bible and we show people what we're talking about. That's how we do that today. We go back and we look here in Matthew's account. So he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Learners. Make learners of them. Does that mean we teach them? Yes. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, that is, after they are baptized, you continue to do what? You continue to teach them, verse 28, or verse 20 here. Um, he says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. So he teaches them to do what? To follow everything I've said. To do everything that I've commanded you. Everything. Does that include Mark chapter uh, 16, 14 through 18? Yes. That includes everything. Everything. Teach them to observe all things, he says, all things that have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How is God with, how is Christ with us today? Now we know he, that he was, is with them. We know the Spirit would go and be with upon them as well from Acts chapter 2 and following. But how does Christ communicate with us today? How does the Holy Spirit communicate with us today? Through the written word. People, you know, we we have to be careful when we say that we hear phrases such as, and again, I don't mean this to be uh, harsh or anything. I think sometimes people just don't quite understand what what they're what they're what they mean what they when they say things what it really means. We hear people say sometimes, "Well, you know, the Lord has laid this on my heart," and I think if we're honest. Because I have not always been a member of the Church of Christ, and I have felt uh, at times in the past that uh, that you know I feel like well I should be doing something different. And what really has happened, I think, if we boil it down, is that some, is that at some point we have decided that what I'm doing is not right, or maybe I want to I decide now I want to try to reach out to others. Many times I think that happens either from a thought-provoking Bible class, a thought-provoking sermon, or maybe you've been reading your Bibles or you watched a Bible-based uh, video or something of that nature, and it causes you to think about those things. And people will say, well, you know, the Lord has laid this on my heart. I think in reality, if we're honest, that we'll see that what really has happened is that the Word of God has affected us, and we decide we need to do something. 
Uh, I don't think that I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing for us to to recognize that. Hey, you know, I've been reading this or I've been watching this Bible video uh, or listening to this Bible podcast, and I realize, you know, what there's some things I need to change, or maybe there's some things I need to start doing that I haven't been doing before. Um, that's not wrong. Has God laid it on our hearts? We have, the reason I, I I bring up that phrase is because that sounds like it's miraculous. And that God is doing something directly to us. What's happening is the Word of God is operating directly upon us, right? The Word of God is is what's revealing the truth to us. And we act based upon what we have heard and what we have read. Uh, and so that's what we want to be very careful with. Okay, we're going to stop there today because that does end the book of Matthew. If you have any comments, questions, uh, concerns, you can message me through the Facebook group, uh, Bible Studies with Russ. Uh, I believe there's also a contact page on America Correctly there on bywaymedia.org. You can shoot me a message through that. I'll be glad to address any questions, concerns, complaints, those types of things. Uh, Lord willing, if everything goes as planned, when we come back next time, we will begin studying the book of Joshua. And as I mentioned before, if you're interested in more of the things that are recorded in Mark and Luke that are not recorded in Matthew, I encourage you to pick up... Um, uh, what's called the Harmony of the Gospels. I think there's a lot of different versions out there. Uh, one I'm familiar with is by A.T. Robertson. You probably can find one for free online just by going to a website or something. Um, I can't vouch for how accurate those things are. Uh, but you can find those things pretty easy and, and follow along. I, I reference A.T. Robertson's Harmony of the Gospels because it's I have it in book form, and you, it's easy to, to follow along the way he has it formatted. But you may be able to find something similar to help you as well. Okay, we're going to stop there today. I do thank you for your attention. Thank you for being here with me. As I mentioned, I hope we'll be back here next time as we begin the book of Joshua.